This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. Every day we have the privilege of settling in, ladies and gentlemen, and learning so they be right or wrong. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. She's at the studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio in London. And it's so true, isn't it? There's that we, we give a lot of opinion. We hear a lot of different things, and we love opinion. Uh, of course, our contributors bring to us so many different things, backed up by the research they've done or the pure knowledge that they have from life experience that uh, in their fields and professions. And what a privileged position to be in, Rum. It always is, Kells, and we do a lot of our um, learning, but we also spew a lot of opinion on this show. So it's nice to get that platform as well to be like, hey, here's what we think about a subject matter, and then uh, here's what other people think about that subject matter, and we can all bring it all in here. Sometimes you got to be corrected. You know, sometimes you think oh, something. Yeah. Well, we honestly Humbled. have to say, gee, I don't know. I'm just thinking or I'm just saying. And somebody else is saying, well, here, let me set your just saying straight. Okay. <laughs> and we like that, too. So we always look for people to let us know because for everything said out there, there's another opinion that we want to make sure is heard, viewpoint. And I, I think that's the great thing about broadcasting. So, yes, I, I am setting us up to get into a conversation a little further about that. But first, ladies and gentlemen, speaking of contributors and content, let's see what's going on on the program today. The Golden Globe Awards took place Sunday night. Greg David will unpack it with us uh, during our TV talk shortly. Unsold Christmas trees are on the menus for elephants and bisons. Uh, Beth Deer is going to tell us more about that story on The Buzz. Sounds like a wild buffet. And what are the most popular New Year's resolutions? If you have resolutions, how can you keep them? We discuss more with registered nurse Leslie DePoe in hour two of the program. So uh, media is always fun. It's interesting to see how we do things, where different angles of it, especially when they clash. NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers is denying that he has implied that uh, Jimmy Kimmel is a pedophile. But stop short, of course of apologizing. Last week on the Pat McAfee Show on ESPN, Aaron Rodgers had said a lot of people, including Jimmy Kimmel, were really hoping a list of associates of disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein doesn't come out publicly. Kimmel denied online any association with Epstein and threatened a lawsuit. Kimmel spent his monologue Monday night lacing into Rodgers. He said he'd accept an apology from Rodgers but did not expect one. On Tuesday's Pat McAfee Show, Rodgers says he's not stupid enough to call Kimmel a pedophile and condemned anyone who does. Roger says as long as Kimmel understands what he actually said and that he's not accusing him of being on a list, he's all for moving forward. I'm Archie Zaroleta. Yeah, you know, there's this stuff that's got to go on out there where you leave well enough alone, you make these statements. But the old days, people were held in place that, hey, they've got a team of lawyers that will come after me if I say something, infer something, and don't have all my ducks in order to, to kind of prove that. And on a show like that, like the Pat McAfee, why? Um, we have a lot of people who believe different things, a lot of things that we certainly don't know about, can't quantify rum, but it's what really makes you wonder when things are said, and then the cannon blast over the bow. 
you know, as you say, oh, really, is that what you have to say? And uh, it just makes you shake your head because a lot of us don't want to get into any of these things. We know what should be left alone or we just say, well, you know, really, I don't have much comment. I wasn't there. You know, I, I cannot believe and I still find it very difficult to understand how people will say things first and not realize how quickly things will get poor, uh, you know, taken out of proportion uh, and being, you know, broken telephoned all over social media. This is, you know, not just social media. This has gotten way, way bigger, like l threats of lawsuit, um, Jimmy Kimmel's monologue on the show. Like, it's just gotten really Seven pretty. Seven minutes. Yeah, pretty. back. Pretty wild. And that's because, yeah, of course, you're going to put people on their defenses by making some kind of alleged accusation like this, right? So regardless of what you meant, what you said, what you thought of between the lines and what you are obviously responding to now, maybe in a more clear head space and this is for Aaron Rodgers um doesn't matter okay you say something and it's gonna get out there and it's gonna get absolutely torn apart so you know be mindful maybe and or if you're not mindful about it then this is what's gonna happen you're gonna have to end up uh, justifying what you said and what you meant and what you actually didn't mean and obviously not this obviously not that it becomes a pretty big war for the entertainment biz what about the methodology of twisting your apology? You know, if you if you don't want to say, I'm sorry I was wrong for what I said, or you don't I believe mean, that, no one asked you to lie and say, no, I said that, but obviously I'm yeah, wrong like because you're screaming and throwing sponges. There. That's right. Say, maybe I'm sorry for offending. Yeah, um, I mean, it's bad I, I, enough I, when you do apologize, let alone, yeah. I'm not going to apologize because I didn't say it. Are you serious? Well, he should know what I meant. What? Since when did he get in your head? Uh, that's where I guess I get upset. Well, and then you say, eh, he doesn't understand, I guess. So when he understands, he'll know what I'm saying. What? Yeah, no. What? You know, okay. Yeah, communication just, just spit it is, out, yeah, is a yeah. wild thing. It's complex. Um, interesting, complex, and easy twisted to make it even more complex uh -huh. just for convenience. Um, and, and again, I, I have no idea of statements being false, true, whatever, or whatever backs them up. I just hate when copious amounts of time is wasted on this. Oh, for the viewers out there saying, yes, That's good right. point. Yeah. Let's tell you what's coming up after the break then, folks, as we move on. Experts suggest that they uh, urge how students, they should say, are taught about technology and cyber crime. Grant Hardy, he's got details for us in his headline segments, segment next. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. You always watch your emails, your calls letting us know, okay, you guys are way off base there, or hey, guys, really wonderful show. Always love it, and I think we get enough of that reinforcement, so I'm not sucking up, ladies and gentlemen. But on the podcast, you can feel free to give us a rating and review. Subscribe to the Kelly and Rumya podcast. Rumya is at the studio in Toronto. Kelly McDonald here at the studio in London, Ontario. And joining us to give us some headlines as we've put him to work. Really busy week for Grant Hardy. First week back after his extended vacation. Oh, let's bring him in to work his tail off again as we get into headlines. 
Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the Headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Always try to make sure that, uh, sir, you get enough center stage action here on the program. Always wonderful to have you on board. How are things out in BC? Uh, we've got a cold, uh, cold week here coming up. An unusual uh, cold snap for us. I think you guys in Toronto and the rest of Canada would just laugh at us, unfortunately. But we are looking at dipping into the negative temperatures, possibly as low as like negative nine or ten at night uh, this week. Wow! So mm. I can feel, wow. I can feel your That's your cold. your violin. Uh, <laughs> it's tugging at your heartstrings. No, no, I know. no. R Ramya would still complain and be upset and cold, tell hey, you how I cold it is. I am an empathetic is. person. I don't want anybody to be cold. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Huh. I'm just kidding. I don't want people to talk smack about Torontonians either. It's just saying. Ah, uh, mm -hmm. I would. I'm all in good fun. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to just chat about. Uh, uh, article I found in the CBC about a new report on what teachers and parents can do to tackle. Uh, it's a regular, uh, regularly new term called tech facilitated sexual violence uh, against uh, teens. And this covers quite a lot of things, including uh, cyber flashing, which is receiving unwanted images, sextortion, which is coercion to share intimate images or videos, non-consensual sharing of intimate images and cyber-stalking via GPS locators and social media apps, as well as AI-generated deepfake images and videos, which are also uh, starting to spread. Uh, so they, they say that uh, this report has found very inconsistent instruction about topics linked to sen sexual or gender-based violence like this in schools, depending on the region, uh, they could be explored in a life skills class, phys ed, health communications, or perhaps even computer studies. Uh, sometimes few jurisdictions in Canada are really referencing more recent technology like social media or AI, nor do most address the connections between what happens to students online and offline. And some teachers are reporting that uh, they have uh, no uh, no real knowledge or training about how to teach these subjects and struggle to get through very vague curriculum expectations. Uh, so the report feels that uh, elementary age children can learn about principles like respect, consent, uh, right to privacy, bodily autonomy, and being a good digital citizen uh, long before they start learning about sexuality or sexual violence. In terms of uh, coercive or unwanted behavior, it is important to instill a sense of you know, legal versus illegal, right versus wrong. Uh, but they also make a really interesting point for both students and parents, which is to change our, like, shaming mentality for victims. Right. So they, it literally says, like, most kids will not go to their parent uh, to an adult if they're having a problem because most people will just say you know you're an idiot for doing this you shouldn't have shared whatever you shared you shouldn't have gotten into trouble uh, and they really just say to keep like an open mind just help your kid or teen move forward through whatever it is 
that they're dealing with and you really set up that trusting like relationship so that kids know that they can go to you if they are victims you're not going to punish them you're mm. going to you know be open minded and listen and support to help them understand that there's a way forward basically thoughts uh, basically there's a lot of like mentality shift that has to happen for this right and and not just necessarily the people who are directly dealing with the children um but for this concept this theory this i don't know breaking of cycles to happen to begin with grant correct yeah definitely um definitely being about oh you know 15 years out of high school for for myself yep. a, a lot of these threats weren't really hadn't really emerged although there was the emergence of you know serious bullying and shaming on social media you know where people mm -hmm. would even like le legit set up you know a page just to bully or harass someone yeah. uh one yeah. thing that i definitely noticed and i'm incredibly grateful for you know having a supportive family you know myself but you know a lot of kids that i knew who were victims of you know stuff that maybe they were just pressured to do and it got a little bit away from them would go to their parents and be told you know we're taking away all your technology and we're grounding you for you know the next like month or whatever and just like insane stuff that would make me think as a kid like okay obviously uh whatever happens to me now i'm just going to keep a secret from yes. the adults yep. around yep. me yep. so that's and how do you grow like the problem is as you get older, you gain knowledge about how to deal with people, how to read people, and whatever personal, private things you get into, you hopefully have learned what to do to protect yourself, to trust the person, to be at a certain point in a relationship before you're going to be willing to do certain things. But when you're a teenager with peer pressure and other things in play, you, you're going to make mistakes. That's what you're supposed to do to a point. You just hope that God, the, the mistakes don't end up devastating you or embarrassing yourself, family, your anyone, but mostly that you have outlets to be able to go and say, I have a problem. I'm in a bit of trouble here. Can we talk? Because that's the only way to understand or learn what we may have done, how we may have been a little wrong, where we went wrong, or how to dig our way out of it. I think, too, this um, extends into a lot of the different things that we know, like... Uh, victims of sexual assault or victims of any kind of harassment and abuse that are who are children who have to appear in court and the conversations we have around that uh you know do 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 we make the system a safe space a comfortable space for people to feel like they can talk and we know that you know, a lot of the times children are not talking at home, they're not talking at school, they're not talking to their friends. It's a completely isolated experience. And so then when um, situations come out where, you know, charges have to be pressed or people have to relay things to, you, I, I want to say bigger people, you, but you know what I mean, in bigger circumstances, in mm -hmm. more defensive ways, and also like uh, more pressure, right? Because of the way that these systems are run, um, you're just extending the trauma and yep. deepening it. Yeah, because these sure. things can go yeah. on and extend college, workplaces. Yeah, yeah. So many of these things that if you have not nothing had that's properly taught 
the tools. If you haven't been, you can be in a horrible, scary, dangerous situation at any point. Yeah. And we do need to yeah. know how to say, hey, I need help here. Yeah, and just, just hopefully there's maybe becoming a little bit of understanding about, you know, the human behavior and experience, but just all these things like, you know, if you are, if you are traumatized by something horrible that happens to you, you might, you know, be more prone to take riskier actions moving forward yourself yes. or, you know, like act out yourself, you know, co contact that person again. Like there, yes. are, there are all sorts of things that these people do where, you know, like you were saying about core, you know, people, will, well, why would you, why would you have done that? You know, this like undermines your story, whatever. But we actually know that, you know, that's sort of the psychology of being humans is that people's mm -hmm. behavior and emotions are not always uh, linear. So I, I definitely feel for people these days, there's a lot of stuff that we have to work through, a lot of threats that we're navigating. So folks, I have kind of a, like a, a three strikes rule for for headlines if we don't get to something a uh, few days uh, weeks in a row whatever I, I just think like it wasn't meant to be mm. um, so this was the this was the last strike for I this think that's the only end. sports reference i've ever heard this guy make <laughs> it, three exactly what? right Grant. <laughs> oh i can make a um, hockey reference every once in a while kelly no i know you, you know it's baseball <laughs> <laughs> That's what I thought, but then you said hockey. Yeah. I'm like, am I wrong uh, about he this? Knows. No, he, this is baseball. He loves sure. sports. Kelly knows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, new research suggests that nearly 60% of public spaces in Calgary, Vancouver, and Ottawa are either inaccessible or partially inaccessible <laughs> to people with disabilities. Uh, so the report comes from the uh, University of uh, Calgary, led by Mapping Our Cities for All project. Uh, it's aimed at hope helping the government hopefully with their goal of the accessible canada act of the three cities the research found calgary finished last with 35 percent of buildings mapped deemed accessible compared to 48 percent in vancouver and 58 percent uh sorry do i have that right uh 53 percent in ottawa uh so that's pretty depressing uh and this was pretty uh, inclusive of like geographic data, how easy it is to get in and out, how easy it is to park, et cetera. Uh, and there is an app, which I believe is called Access Now, yes, mm -hmm. uh, where uh, apparently they're encouraging people to uh, crowdsource on the mobile app collect shared in, uh, accessibility information for cities across Canada. And hopefully once we measure that data, we can use people's collected experience and perspectives to improve our buildings. So you know what I noticed this the most? Downer. Yeah, it is. But again, you can stop and say, well, of course, a lot of these places are older. The fact to retrofit places to do what we need them to do in the way of accessibility is going to cost. We're always hearing about that, but it's a fact. You got to do it. And where I realized it a lot was voting. Anytime I'd go vote or go to a place where that was being done, it was often in an inaccessible place. Or you get the list of accessible places that took people way the hell out of their way 
to go and vote. And you stop and say, well, hold it. So now we found other ways. But because you needed all these schools, these facilities, churches, places that not necessarily could be part of that or were not on the list to be retrofitted, to, for them to go in and say, how can we make this more accessible? No matter how much we can say, well, what, a school should be accessible. You, there are children in wheelchairs, people who are blind, other accessible needs that have to be met. But not so, not high on the priority list. And also so many that I'm sure they look at the list and say, oh, huge. Yeah, it's a good point about voting. Good point about voting. I always find it uh, not funny, haha, but just more ironic to go to a building, which, you know, in my mind, not being a wheelchair user myself, I would think, you know, this would be pretty accessible overall except that they maybe have three stairs leading into the yes. building towards the right. elevator. And that just makes you kind of yep. shake your head. Hmm. Probably a way you could fancy. put a little ramp at, there. At one point, stairs must have just been fancy. Sometimes I, I find them in places where, what the heck are they here? <laughs> like, I know you got to go down like three feet or whatever because the the way the building's designed, but there had to be a time in history where it was, <laughs> yeah, let's put out a little bit. Let's put some stairs in here. Oh, they look good. Yeah, look at those stairs. Go. There you go, decorative stairs, a nice yeah. little, I don't know, <laughs> banister or something just to make it fancy. No real purpose. Thanks, Grant. Awesome uh -huh. stuff. Thank you. Oh, always a pleasure. Until next time. Grant Hardy brings us headlines on Mondays and Wednesdays on the program. Please do check out uh, when he's here and available. And we have always these great conversations that lead, as we said at the top of the show, to so many different thoughts and, and viewpoints. Coming up next, the Golden Globe Awards took place Sunday night. Good numbers, too, on these. Greg David unpacks all this during the TV talk next. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Romney return with more in a moment. Remember to check out the show, folks, live at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-TV. 4 p.m. Eastern, AMI-audio. You get the first run of it. Repeat, 10 p.m. Eastern time on both networks. Whenever you have time to take us in, we appreciate it. All your time is valuable to you, certainly valuable to us, so we do our best to fill it out with some great content. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. Let's get into a TV talk. We do this every other week, and we've got some good things to uh, review right now with our communication specialist, Greg David. I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. Greg, we're talking award ceremonies. Uh, this past Sunday night was the 2024 Golden Globe Awards, and if you were a fan of Oppenheimer, Barbie, Succession, and The Bear, you were very, very happy. Uh, you talked about these shows just recently or had your own, you know, um, uh, interests and reviews on what you thought was going to do well and not do well. Yeah. You're here to recap what went on at the Golden Globes. So first of all, did you watch the show live? Uh, no, I did not watch the show live. Um, I recorded it on my PVR, and I went back and watched it, and I thought, eh, 
I mean, mm-hmm. the ratings were the ratings were better than they were for last year. I think that that's mainly mm-hmm. because of Oppenheimer and Barbie. Uh, you know, they grabbed so many headlines in the past, in the fall because they were battling for box office supremacy. Yeah. So I think that there was a lot of you know, and because of the number of people that went to see those movies, they tuned in to watch it. I mean, they certainly didn't tune in to watch Joe Coy uh, host the show. I actually had to look <laughs> him up because I had no clue who he was. Uh, oh, he's you know, a comedian. Had, yeah, yeah he's he got a bit defensive comedian. too, didn't he? Well, He's pretty funny. His stand-ups are okay. Yeah, yeah. He got yeah. a bit and defensive really... there because people were kind of ragging because they were hurrying through it. And like he pointed, man, I just got this gig, guys. Okay, was, but to I was be only fair, informed a while ago. To be fair, I find like even my favorite comedians doesn't mean that it translates as them being great hosts. I just sometimes I cringe. Yeah, like, you, oh, no. you hit the nail on you hit the nail on the head, Rami, because like you know, a Ricky Gervais, you know, is 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 an example of somebody that is fairly good at at hosting. But to host a live award show, it sure. is a thankless job because you're going to be ripped on it whether you do a good job or not. You know, your job is to host the show, tell some jokes off the top, and then kind of get off stage yep. and just kind right. of get know, out of the way. From com- exactly, get out of the way. So any extra time that you spend in there, you you just you know you're just setting yourself up for trouble you know making fun of taylor swift in a joke while she was there in the theater probably it wasn't a very good idea you because do that? of course there's yeah i mean there's the taylor swift army right so you don't want to get them yeah, upset this is or a sore gonna... spot to begin with okay well hey let's break it down you want to talk about that yeah, let's go what happened so well, I mean, he made a joke about the NFL. It was an NFL joke that oh. involved Taylor Swift as well. And so he got into a lot of trouble for that. And, I mean, I didn't think the joke was all that bad. There were there were people that, that found it offensive and upsetting to them. Um, you know, we the T-Swizzy fans. Yeah, exactly. So they're going to come after him. But Can't like I said, it. the ratings the ratings were good, and and some of the more popular shows and, and movies won. So that's really all that matters when it comes right down. The to NFL it. fans were too busy watching football. Yeah, I think it's the one thing that you can't, like you said, Greg, you can't come out of it unscathed. It's it's that kind of thing where somebody people are going to find you did something wrong. And yeah. I don't even know why half these people want to even do it because it's so thankless. And yeah. there's no way of getting it fully right. There's going to be someone that's going to complain. It's just high scrutiny because it is very, we're there for a reason. We each have our own thing. And you frown on that, you're in trouble. Um, you mentioned We mentioned off the top that Oppenheimer, Barbie, Succession, and The Bear won the bulk of the awards on Sunday. Why do you think that was the case? I mean, there were plenty of other movies in those categories. Yeah, and we're going to talk about some of those other other shows in the categories. But, you know, I think that the jury played it safe. And, and as I was putting together kind of my thoughts for this, uh, for our discussion today, I hadn't realized that, uh, you know, back when we spoke before Christmas and talked about the nominees, um, we discussed these nominations and the, how the Hollywood Foreign Press Association was no longer in charge of the Golden Globes, that right. Dick Clark Enterprises had acquired the assets and rights and everything to do with the Golden Globes. So, you know, I was all set to say, uh, you know that I think that they played it safe, but it turns out that the Hollywood Foreign Press jury still voted on it this year's categories. So that's a little bit of behind-the-scenes <sighs> okay. drama. So even though, 
the, the the foreign press isn't in charge of the Golden Globes. For this year's nominees, they voted on them. And I do think that they played it safe. Um, I think that, you know, the criticism is that they always tended to 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 play to certain favorites. Um, but there were a couple of, um, you know, interesting surprises for the Golden Globes, particularly in some of the TV categories. But overall, yeah, like you said off the top, uh, you know, there were a handful of things that dominated all the categories. And unless you're fans of those, it can make for a long night and, and sometimes a depressing night as well because you want to see other shows and other movies win. Well, it goes back to the question of what are these award shows doing anyways? Like, why are they still around? And all the other, you know, bigger conceptual questions that we've been throwing around lately yep. for, for different reasons, right? Like, do they socially stand anymore? And if you're saying, yeah, they kind of played it safe, then it makes me think, is, it, is this even organic anymore? Like, is this legitimate? I, I, I... You know, it's it's a legitimate question, you know, especially when it, mainly people tune in to see what they want to win. But I think even more than that, they want to see the red carpet. And I don't even yeah. mean the red carpet interviews. I'm talking about like the red carpet fashion, because when I went to social media the day after on the Monday, it was all about the best and worst looks. You yep, know, those were the, sure. that was the secondary secondary story to the categories and the shows and movies. that Usually won. is. Okay, who, well, yeah, I, yeah, there's a lot I of it. That, I, I mean, I have people in the broadcast world yep. that, that I know and they, they set up on Sunday night before and away they go commenting through the whole night, even during. They'll, they'll start at red carpet, but even during mm -hmm. they're still commenting on any of the outfits that they didn't catch on the red carpet. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, and and with the it's it's kind of like there's like a whole tailgate tailgate party. You know, the Super Bowl has hours right. and hours before you actually get to the game of broadcast. That's what it's like for some of these big award shows. They'll start with the programming at three or four o'clock in the afternoon, and then head into prime time, and that's all they're talking about. They're, they are talking about the nominations, but they're also talking to those people on the red carpet and asking what they're wearing and that type of thing. So yeah, I mean, uh, this is an ongoing conversation. Do do I think award shows? deserve to take place sure but maybe we don't need to be devoting three hours of prime time to it anymore oh my maybe we gosh. can just watch it on streaming i can't get behind three hours period like i've always <laughs> yeah. you know it, it's always yeah. been youtube highlights for me now tiktok highlights and then speed yeah. up those highlights and then we're gonna have this one convo with <laughs> no. you and i'm set okay uh, especially because it's like the same four shows that are winning everything. Yeah. But um, let's talk about some of the nominations in the key categories in best television series, drama, Succession was the big winner, uh, took it home. Uh, what is it? Trophies for series, series. female actor, male actor, yeah. supporting yeah. roles. What is going on? Everything. Yeah, I mean, I, when we spoke before the holidays, I thought that The Last of Us might win this category. But, you know, if this was Succession's year. This was the final year of the show. Um, and uh, it was a very, very strong season as well, whether you like the ending or not. I personally did. This was, a you know, the, a final bow on on a great series uh, to give it to, to give it so many awards. I was thr thrilled that Kieran Culkin and Matthew McFadden and Sandra Snook all won for their acting roles. And, you know, if you've got Crave, uh, you're paying that little extra for crave you can stream all of the seasons of succession there uh like i said a little surprised that the last of us didn't win in that's any what of the you were hoping categories. for yeah. yeah yeah but you know what there's always next year now this succession has moved on now we can clear the way for the last of us it was kind of like the sopranos the sopranos would keep yes. winning all the time and it wasn't until that show finally left that there were other shows that could step in and, and win in the best drama category so that's what's going to happen next year 25-year celebration on that. That'll be another topic for a couple of weeks from now, right, Craig? Yeah. <laughs> Over on Best Television Series, Musical, or Comedy, The Bear took home the trophy and did also for Best Performance by a Female Actor and Male Actor. Now, back before the holidays, you actually thought 
the bear would win and why you love the bear. Now, it's not a comedy. As, well, not really a comedy. Um, yeah. Do you still feel not the same even a comedy deserved? Yeah, I, yeah. Like I said, I don't. I felt like the bear was the odd man out in this category. I mean, there are definitely funny moments in uh, in the first season of the show, uh, but less so in the second season. I felt as though this was a dr more of a dramatic show than anything else. Yes. I also thought. Barry was going to win because it was the final season of Barry. I guess that final season of Barry was a little bit too weird for the Hollywood foreign press. It did have some strange uh, tweaks to the storyline that, that made things a little bit strange for me. Uh, that said, though, I love the bear. The first season of the bear established the series as the story of this hotshot chef who returns to Chicago uh, to take over running his late brother's fast food restaurant. Uh, so the second season really delved into the characters and how they ended up the way that they are today. Because let's, uh, you know, I, I don't think it's a spoiler alert. They're all pretty flawed. So you find out why. <laughs> um, the this, this special almost hour-long Christmas episode was one of the hardest episodes of The Bear ever to watch. Mm. But it went a long way to explaining how the main characters have ended up in the flawed way that they are. Uh, and I love the fact that uh, Jeremy Allen White and Ao Edabiri both uh, won in the Best Actor and Best Actress categories. Uh, they've both been wonderful in that show and have carried it on their shoulders for two seasons. So yeah, I'm happy about it. I would have been more excited about Barry, but I'm okay with the bear. Okay. Now, you don't normally join us to talk about movies, but we got to get your thoughts, obviously, on Oppenheimer and Barbie winning. Yeah, yeah, excited. Um, I had not seen, I didn't see either of them in the in the theaters. Um, I ha I watched uh, Barbie over the weekend because I have Crave. So I watched that on demand and I really, really enjoyed it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of back and forth. It's a man-hating movie. You know what? Just sit down and watch a movie and enjoy it for what it is, okay? Without mm -hmm. having to read into it. There's a lot of sensitive guys out there that need to really just kind of chill out, be quiet and watch stuff and oh, just oh. enjoy them. We're going to um, cut so... that for the highlights. <laughs> Great. Yeah, especially yeah. the, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it'll show up on Cut for Time on Friday. Yeah, I want to see this is the a line that every person that. in my life who's been resisting needs to hear. Thank you. Yeah, Greg. I mean, honestly, I think I think we'll just add it to a soundboard and just make sure yeah. wherever yeah. you need, you yeah. can hit it, and it just comes. A lot of sensitive I'm guys out there. Down. <laughs> yeah, settle down, watch watch Barbie and enjoy it. I am looking forward to seeing Oppenheimer, which will be out in on Crave in a, in, a, in a you know within the next month or so. Um, and you know, from what it looks like, the the Screen Actors Guild Awards came out um, uh, earlier today, and uh, both Oppenheimer and Barbie and Succession, all the shows that we talked about today, are nominated in those major categories. And the Oscar nominations are going to be coming out soon, and Oppenheimer and Barbie are going to be a big part of that as well. Yeah. 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 I'm curious, Greg, off the top, we uh, kind of mentioned the numbers. So we figure we can say, okay, people are glad to see this or thinking that and everything like that. But it still blows my mind, especially when I hear a reaction about three hours sitting there like rum you had, because I've never, since I was a child, there's no way I had the tolerance to watch any of that for three hours going on. So it blows my mind. And I guess it, it, a lot goes to the red carpet. But um, so quickly, were you shocked? At the, what is it, nine point whatever million? Yeah, I mean, this just shows, you know, I've been covering award shows for, for years back when I worked at TV Guide and would cover the primetime Emmys, and the fact that nine million is a great number for the Golden Globes just shows you how much of an erosion there is when it comes to watching primetime television. You know, we, we've talked about the fact that live sports is really the only stuff that people tune into, and, you know, yeah. Rami is a perfect example, saying, you know, she'd rather head to TikTok and uh, and just kind of zip through those 10-minute uh, clips. Ten Everybody's minutes. viewing is 
Yeah, well, uh, 10 seconds, sorry, Thank I meant you. to say. Uh, yeah, uh, it's, it just shows our attention spans just aren't there anymore. So if you're not fast-forwarding through the PVR on the PVR like I was, you're going to social media to get those clips because that's where the coolest clips are going to be anyway. Why sit through three hours when you can all have it encapsulated into, uh, into seconds or just a few minutes? Yeah, and it, you know, it, it revolves around the question, like, okay, do we just keep things the way they are because you know that they're the traditionalists, you know that they're people who want the speeches, they want to hear yeah. from their celebrities, and, like, it is nice, right? It's sentimental, yep. and these are the things that, even though we don't talk about them as the main or the second main highlight, they're uh, things that you remember, like what Taylor Swift did or whoever said at these mm. award shows. You're following people's careers. People are super fans, but at the end of the day, it it's three hours. At the end of We're the day, we keep it. them because somebody's paying for sponsorship dollars. Right? Like, That's it's not... It. Yeah. That's the only reason. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and but the thing is now they're, they're giving away so many awards that aren't actually on camera anymore. True. Oh, thank you know, God. Just, Read about yeah, it. Yeah, like... So just make it even shorter. Two hours. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, no, let's no, just no, no. You're still being generous. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you know the bear is going to win everything, then just give it all at once. Like, no, why no, are we no, going to put it on it the morning on on uh, and Dateline or whatever you call yeah. it on NBC Morning or and something like that? Listen, Let Heather Hiscox run them down for you on CBC. The, the Canadian Screen Awards have got it right. They pre-tape it, and theirs is an hour. That's oh, the Canadian Screen Awards uh, model, and I think that we can do that. Just do it in an hour. That's all you need. On double speed, that's only half an hour. Greg, thank <laughs> you so yeah. much. You're the best. Thanks, guys. Bye. No one's going to watch TV and watch people like that. I I literally no, you, speed you up all listen. my TikToks. I'm yeah, just yeah, saying this is a norm now. No one's going to watch it that way. We don't know that. Listen, we got to take sure. a poll. Uh, but yeah, Greg uh, David yeah, will all be you back. Sighted people, tell <laughs> us if you're going to watch those faces speed along. Oh, my mm, God. It's oh. there for a reason. But anyway, Greg David joins us every other week to talk TV. And it sounds like we need to get Crave because everything's going up on Crave. Or yep, for is. sure it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to Oppenheimer. Coming up after the break, unsold Christmas trees are on the menu for elephants and bison at the bird. Berlin Zoo, if you head there, especially if you're an elephant. Beth Deer gives us the details on the buzz. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Thanks for being with us, folks, as we return to your day. Thanks for giving us a portion of it here at Kelly and Rumya. Kelly McDonald here at the studio in London, Ontario, the home studio. Settle in for afternoon with you or evening, depending when you're catching the show. Rumya's at the main campus in Toronto at our studio over there. And Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we have a segment we call The Buzz. Covering for Bill Shackleton, who's our general uh, most-time host of it, who has been away for a bit and will be, is Beth Deer. We welcome Beth back in. She, of course, is reporter and producer on our program. Beth, good day. Hello, hello. How are we all? Well, it's good. Very good so well, far. Yeah. Lots of good stuff to, to chat about today, for sure. And you're going to continue that trend. I am going to try my best. Firstly, I just want to congratulate everyone on the show being around for a year. Thank wow, you. I know I only came back in September, but my goodness, that has gone so far. My yeah. God. Wow. Yeah. That's true. September. My goodness. Oh, yeah. It's already January. Wow. Well, thank Thanks. you. And it's nice to have you on with us as well. 
thank you very oh, much well as you guys have teased we'll start with just like a super cute story about the fact that unsold christmas trees are going to animals at the berlin zoo mainly elephants and bison um but the reindeers um it's been documented that the reindeers have been uh, playing with some of the trees which is kind of cute <laughs> but that is like the full report on that story <laughs> oh my gosh what a buffet that would be like, i know like and like trees? just so cute like i don't know if you guys were ever into friends but if you weren't if you were yeah like do you remember the episode where monica like decorates the apartment with all the trees that yeah. are like unloved for phoebe and she gets all yeah. excited like that's exactly what this makes me think of i'm like all of the like christmas trees that like get to fulfill like home. their christmas wishes like Aww. a little bit of post christmas cheer <laughs> That's so cute. I didn't even think about the Friends reference, but yeah, definitely. I'm just thinking about yeah, the snacks. Like, all, like talk about eating Christmas snacks, like, way into the spring. Mm. But do we know, Beth? Like, Very how nice did people get involved, or I guess the companies? I have no idea. Like, I literally just, when I found the article, there was only two little paragraphs, but I just thought, like, how how sweet. Like, still, I imagine you can drop them off at a depot a or something. A little bit Christmassy. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, I uh, mean, apparently they do only take like nice, fluffy, full Christmas trees. Like they won't actually take any of the ones that Phoebe would have wanted to fulfill their Christmas destiny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but really which is sad good. Ones. Like I, I, yeah, the poor ones that are just like kind of more like sticks. I don't think that they make it to the zoo, <laughs> but the nice ones make it to the zoo. Well, because we feel um, like a snack. It'd be like us going to a party and here, would you like a little snack? Holy good God, little is being the many. operative word. Yeah, exactly. How many of these little snacks do I yeah, get? Yeah, exactly. Because before um, Christmas, we had a couple conversations about just Christmas trees, real Christmas trees not being as much of a thing anymore, and also farmers having challenges with growing Christmas trees because of climate change and uh, a lot, mm -hmm. acres and acres of farmlands across Canada, but, you know, across the North America, you pretty much, uh, where like you just won't get as many Christmas trees as you used to, and not as many buyers either. So on a financial level, people were having a lot of issues, right? Um, but this is yeah, kind of a nice sure. way like, to tie the bow on it. Yeah, this yeah, is the disposal. first year ever in my life my mum has had like a non-real Christmas tree, an artificial. When really? she showed wow. me how, yeah, like. That's exactly what it's called, <laughs> artificial, not non-real. <laughs> um, when she showed me her Christmas tree, I was like, Mom, like, that looks different. Like, did you get new lights? And she was like, no, I just didn't get a, I didn't get a real tree this year. Aww. I was like, oh, my goodness. Why? Shock. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think it's just the fact that she doesn't like all the needles falling off. Like, she's always right. cleaning clean up, up after yeah. it. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is, like, the real Christmas trees gives like the smell of Christmas, like oh for sure. For oh, me growing up, that's such yeah, like the a pine smell. smell. Yes, yeah. yes. We we never did real trees, but at the blind school we had them all over the place, and the whole school just smelled mm -hmm. of it, and it was the most wonderful real feel. And I said, would go home. You know, it'd be nice if our house smelled like the blind school because <laughs> we've got all the Christmas trees. Up. My dad said, well, you can stay there over the holidays if you'd oh, like. Uh, uh, no, no. no, you should have asked if you could like take one home with you. Yeah, Were my they dad little was trees bringing that in here. The, no, the gigantic. Oh, yeah, so you'd have gigantic. real trees all over the school? 
Yeah, like the that six foot tall. Sounds things. gorgeous. Oh yeah, it was amazing. Back, I have no idea how they do it now, but we would have them uh, every floor, all over the school. It was just that feel, and and they would get decorated. Oh, it was a wonderful thing. You that guys got so I much remember. at W Ross. I wouldn't even know. Like I wouldn't even know what it's supposed to smell like because I've never had a real Christmas tree. Oh, it's a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, and that yeah, just totally. Yeah, I mean, don't worry, say. Rum. Yeah, because no one's getting them now Christmas anyway. I trees at my blind school, so... Oh, there you go. Kelly oh, really? just spoiled at W. Ross. Really? Yeah. You guys didn't? <laughs> yeah. Did no, like, we had, like, a few artificial trees, but, like, yeah, that was it. <laughs> I wonder if they were worried about fire. Like, W. Ross, we had enough Probably. space you where, I guess... You would, no? You know, well, like, I would, but yeah. they weren't. They, because the maintenance people would go around. That's why I don't know if they still do that now. But the maintenance people took care of it. You had the, you know, the yeah. earth, and they'd just go and water it. Um, it was just tremendous. And, you know, I feel very fortunate, especially since at home we did not. My dad said, no way, man. I might burn the house down. Forget it. Um, it was just not something we were comfortable with. Beth, what do you want to talk about next? Other than the, uh, the next up. <laughs> Next up, we have a Chinese exchange student um, was found in the woods in Utah after a cyber kidnapping. Now, this is something that I had never actually heard of before. Like, I've heard of, like, scams and stuff like that. But a 17-year-old Chinese exchange student was found alive in a tent in Utah. The boy's parents contacted his host school saying he had been abducted. Um, they had received a photo of him and a call um, asking for ransom money. Um, the parents ended up paying 80,000 US dollars and the boy was found in a tent with a sleeping bag, no heat, minimal food and just a little bit of water. Um, but the shocking thing to me in this entire story is the fact that his, uh, the family that this boy was staying with said they had last seen him on Thursday morning and he was found Sunday evening. So like this kid that's meant to be staying with them is missing for days and it ends up being his family who's living in China that reports him missing. Now, I that guess cyber kidnapping is like essentially where, you know, you meet someone online and they convince you to isolate yourself from everyone in your life and everyone that you would normally be in contact with. Um, I guess a policeman actually saw this young man walking with a tent and was like, uh, are you okay? Like, where are you going? And the kid was like, oh, like I'm going camping. Um, and the cop thought it was weird, but you know, didn't think anything of it at the time. And then obviously they found him and yeah, unfortunately, this is a story. He didn't end up staying in the States. He actually went back to China, um, which it sounds like he has a family who is very, very worried about him in China. So it's probably a good thing he went back. But what a terrible experience. What the power of brainwashing it. Convincing mm -hmm. somebody to go do this. You don't want to be around everybody. Like, gosh, that, that Rummy will make you listen to things sped up. That Kelly will overtalk you to death. Go and stay in the woods. <laughs> No. And I don't mean to, to make fun of it, guys. I, I, I just... <laughs> no, I, I know. Like, clarified. Yeah, Cody and I did have a little sure. giggle last night, but, I, like, because we kind of just said what you said, Kelly, where it's like, like, how? Like, how does this even happen? But when I think back to when I was a teenager and, you know, I was using Facebook and um, Skype and, like, 
just lived on my laptop and all of my relationships other than with people I was at school with or my family were all over social media and they were like intense relationships sometimes too I remember like talking to a boy who was like a few years above me in school that like I would never talk to at school but like we started talking online and I can 100% see how someone would get sucked in to that like full sense of security and you know like like grant was talking about there was there's a loneliness trust issue mm, like really across trust, the world right? and um yeah especially when you're young like that like you just want to feel close to someone you mm-hmm. know maybe you're not at an age or in a position where like your family and friends feel super close to you at the time and it's almost easier to talk to someone that is kind of a nobody but yeah. obviously yeah. talking to them you create like, a relationship with them and they become a somebody yeah 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 yeah, it's it's Absolutely so it's terrifying. the thing we talk about as we were speaking about loneliness and or even earlier with Grant, the things that really work on us that we may not just have the mm-hmm. maturity to know. And I don't care when people say, well, that's because you're a kid. No, it doesn't mean that. There are a lot of people 40, 60 years oh, old. Oh, the awareness, yeah. In different ways that feel, yeah, exactly. hey, man, no one's listening to me. Nobody cares about yeah, me. Yeah, of course. It's terrifying. And, no and I guess another way. thing with this um, cyber kidnapping is also... Um, they'll get the people to like record audio messages, send like random pictures, um, all stuff that they can use against the family. Holding them hostage and stuff. Yeah, 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 exactly. So they can then like change the audio message that was maybe originally sent um, to make it sound like, you know, that person's in trouble, which they definitely are. But, you know, it's not like a kidnapping where, you know the kidnapper is planning to like kill the person or They're whatever with it literally is just for person. money yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's yeah. absolutely terrifying ram i don't know if you have any kind of thoughts well, on this i was just thinking like there are a lot of psychological manipulation tactics that um people use especially if it's not you know it i don't even know how to say it but like if it's not their first time or uh, like I'm talking about the the predators right here. Um, if it's not the first time, or just knowing how to seek out people's vulnerabilities, and if you, you as the victim have not had the wherewithal or the discussions even around this kind of potential of being kidnapped, being harassed in this way, etc., uh, you wouldn't know how to deal. And that's just, it goes back to Kelly's point as well. That's not even necessarily an age thing. I think there are a lot lot of examples. Just go on Netflix and find a docu-series or, you know, docu-drama about something or another where people of all ages, of all kinds, of all uh, status and states in society have ended up in situations where they're like, I didn't know. I don't know how I ended up here. Yeah, I actually saw something recently. It was like an ad on Facebook, and I thought it was actually really clever that they had put it out there, but it was a girl calling her mom um, and saying, like, she was in trouble. And then there was kind of like a voice over the mom's shoulder being like, just call your daughter and actually make sure that she's okay. So the mom calls the daughter's cell, and the daughter's like, hey, mom, like, what's up? Mm. And she's absolutely fine. And it's, again, yeah. like, the now that technology's involved, um, 
it's easy to pretend that you're someone else with yep. um, like apps that change voices and in every way in real time yeah, this, in voice clips and text messages exactly. yeah this mom nearly spent thousands of dollars yeah she yeah. and, 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 and there's a difference in your charges if you get caught between extortion and actual kidnapping, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. what they're doing if they don't even uh, take anybody. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Beth. This is wonderful. Good discussion. Great uh, subjects today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. We'll chat tomorrow. You betcha. We do the buzz Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday on the program. Beth will join us tomorrow for the next edition. In the next hour of our program today, Kevin Shaw is going to stop by to talk about the art of the business lunch. Why are they important? And what etiquette should we be following? And what are the most popular New Year's resolutions? If you have resolutions, how do you keep them? We discuss with Leslie DePoe, our registered nurse. Up next, however, to begin hour two, White Cane Week is slowly creeping upon us. New Brunswick community reporter um, Marisa Hershey Meissner gets us in that mood and teaches us how to prep for the week. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. of the week here on the program. Always so much to talk about. Check us out via TuneIn Radio, OO Tunes if you're enjoying us on AMI-audio. And of course, weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern across Canada on AMI-tv, wherever you are around the world. Thanks for being with us. I'm Kelly McDonald, Ramya Muthan. She's at the studio in Toronto. And it's time for a community report. Of course, Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, we start off hour two with a community report. And this is where we check in from different parts of the country uh, with our low vision and blind community members over there. And they keep us posted on cool things, happenings that are going on in their neck of the woods. A lot of these uh, experiences are accessible to the community as well. Sometimes they're just interesting, so we keep posted. Marissa Hersey Meisner is joining us now from St. John, New Brunswick, to tell us about what's going on there. Happy New Year, Marissa. Yes, Happy New Year to you. It was a great holiday. Yeah, I'm, I hope you had a, a nice, relaxing one and a good start to the New Year. I did, actually. Um, enjoyed a lot of those uh, interesting uh, concerts and so forth that I'd shared in November. And uh, so, yeah, <laughs> it was good. Awesome. Well, let's get going with some of the things that um, you wanted to get to. The first one is New Brunswick Community College Call for Participation. Two ways to participate uh, for this call. So what is it that they're calling about and how can we get involved? Okay, well, the call for participation is, um, it's a three-year study that they're doing uh, regarding accessibility standards. And it's a go-free, barrier-free um, study that basically is going to capture the gaps and the best practices in, in information and technology um, accessibility. And the purpose of this study uh, program is basically to support research that helps identify and remove barriers regarding accessibility. And the, the project is funded um, basically by uh, the Accessibility Standards uh, Development Group. And it's going to capture the barriers from information and communication technologies, the built environment, and transportation. 
So, um, and as part of the design process, uh, they'll be conducting it through surveys or interviews. And it's all for persons um, living with individuals um, that are living with disabilities or persons that take care of persons with disabilities that can mm. participate in this. So I think it's going to be a great study. And I know I've already signed up. Um, and so I've contacted Andrew Urquhart and have myself already booked for a Friday interview with him. And so I'm looking forward to that because uh, I think it's important that we speak up regarding the barriers and the issues that uh, we as persons with disabilities encounter on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And so I've received the questionnaire and uh, great questions. And I think that, uh, you know, as we uh, share the feedback, we should uh, hopefully get some results. Um, I know when you do studies, it seems like forever before, you know, those studies get to, to any sort of implement implementation, but uh, I think um, this is at least a good start. Marisa, this is going to be a really interesting journey for you, and I'm sure we'll keep posted on how things go because this is a three-year study that they're conducting. Is it? Is that, that is how correct. long? Yeah. So it's not necessarily, like, we talk a lot about, you know, um, forums and kind of like town hall things, especially in very local ways. Uh, but this is Accessibility Standards Canada, and they want to make this a long-term project. Um, so I think that there are going to be a lot of different ways that participants will get to be involved and kind of step into uh, the role of advisory or consultation, but also just to keep reflecting on yourself and your own experience in these three years will be quite an interesting aspect, I think. Well, exactly. And especially here in, in New Brunswick, um, and I, I think in the Maritimes, um, we have a lot of barriers. Um, there's not an accessibility um, framework for standards regarding accessibility or anything. So we need to really work on those things. And, and that's one of the things that I will bring up that we need legislation here in New Brunswick. And, and I realized that Accessible um, Canada is mostly focused on federal legislation or governments, but uh, I know that the questionnaire had also had like for businesses and things like that. So I will definitely be putting in my feedback uh, regarding that. Mm. Yeah, that's fantastic. And they're looking for people of all kinds of disabilities, yeah? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and uh, I know that uh, they they mentioned that if you have an intellectual or cognitive uh, disability, that, you know, a care person or, or somebody that's able to speak on your behalf and, and you give them consent, then then they can do that. So okay. They've definitely got their work cut out for them with something like this, but I'm really glad, they especially do. this form of, of uh, study or research, I guess. Excuse me, yes. Okay. I, I like also the future, the, the fact that looking at funding things, that it's so many things that yeah. over the period of time will come up. Uh, your second topic strikes home here. We've been having this struggle here in London, Ontario. I've mentioned it on the program too, and just in passing in conversations, we've had a 44-year-old homeless man passed away after a fire at a, ho a homeless uh, person's encampment. Yes, actually, so, um, his his name is uh, Peter Evan MacArthur, 
a 44-year-old man here in the uh, city of St. John. Um, you want to take a second, went, Marisa? Yeah, Marisa, just hang on yeah. a moment. You grab a glass, a, a bit of water or something, mm -hmm. or a clear, and uh, I'll just we'll go on a little this, bit yeah. here about what situation I've seen with this stuff. And uh, here in London, we have several encampments around town. And of course, people are are building fires to keep warm. Uh, we had a very tragic accident last year. Um, and what happened last year was this lady needed to keep warm. And unfortunately, uh, things got out of hand and the tent she was in caught on fire. And um, she fatally, uh, she, wow. she managed to get taken to the hospital survived for a while and passed away. And we see this going on here. I know I've heard of it in Kitchener, uh, Ontario as well, and I'm sure across the country, people have mentioned this, Marisa, as really a horrifying thing that's been going on because we have so many people who have got out there and now living living rough. Um, let's talk about this 44-year-old man, if we would. Okay, this 44-year-old man apparently um, suffered uh, with alcoholism. Uh, most of his life and uh, but this wasn't his home uh, he actually had lived in a north end shelter but he was visiting uh, friends at the encampment and what happened was uh, either candle they're, they're not exactly sure how the fire started but they they think it might have been a candle that fell over and because they had protein protein um tanks there and so on they exploded mm -hmm. and uh, the fire caught quickly and um, he actually went in trying to save individuals so oh, his mom boy. is um, actually calling him a hero for trying to rescue these individuals and there were numerous other individuals that had got burned in uh, burns on their bodies and so on and so it was a real tragedy and this um I know last evening they had a vigil in the community and um, honoring him and his life, but also um, the outpouring of concern for these communities and these individuals that do live out on the streets. And it's been a real issue here. I, I know right across the Maritimes and across the country. And I think it's really sad because we, we don't live in a third world country. We, we live in one of the richer countries in the world and uh, we're, we're struggling with these issues. And it's, it's really sad to see that they're living in cold, um, inhumane um, situations. Now, I will say that uh, the uh, local MP, uh, Wayne Long, for the riding of St. John Rossi, has... Uh, uh, posted on Facebook today that, that there will be an announcement uh, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. regarding housing funding or something. We don't really know what that looks like at this point, but hopefully it's really good news for affordable housing and so on. The other thing is, is um, the New Brunswick Green Leader uh, Party member um, has um, suggested that, that we look at other ways, such as BC, in having housing where it has some other supports linked to it, such as your social developments, your um, your mental health and addiction counselors, or any nursing or anything like that included in like a housing development. And so I think that that's important um, as well. I know that 
Sophia House here has, uh, which is a, a woman's uh, recovery center, mm. has been expanding lately and, and so on and so forth. So there are some things that are happening, but for those that are living out in the cold and that don't want to go to a shelter because, I mean, St. John has opened up winter shelters, but some don't want to go to the shelters because there's rules and regulations. You have to you know be in a certain time and and all those things and so i i just think that we we really need to focus on this right now and um uh hopefully something will be done soon. Yeah, no, of course, Marisa. And like, as you mentioned, it's the mental health, it's the lack of support on all kinds of levels, affordability, you know, these conversations that we have in very isolated ways, like, oh yeah, you know, housing is terrible across the country, um, but what does that lead to, right? And then you compound that with mental health challenges that people are having, compound that with uh, drug abuse and how we're turning and coping and protecting ourselves and then, you end up in these really incredibly harsh situations and numbers across the board rising um, for these kind of troubled uh, circumstances for people. And we start to think like, where did we go wrong? Lots of ways we went wrong. Marisa, we're not going to have time to get into this last bit, but I just wanted to shout it out because it is a really good resource. Um, because emergency rooms are at overcapacity, the public is encouraged to visit sowhywait.ca, and this is to help choose the best option for care for you, such as a pharmacist, primary health care provider, after-hours clinics, virtual care, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot going on, so I think it's just a great resource for people to visit, okay? So it's called... Um, so why wait.ca and we got to let you go but thank you so much marisa okay thank you you have a great day you too talk to you next month Thanks. marisa hersey meisner joins us from st john new brunswick we covered a lot on today's community report so if you need to take down some notes check out the podcast and go revisit uh the episode up next folks question what are the most popular New Year's resolutions? If you have resolutions, how can you keep them? We discuss more with registered nurse Leslie Depoe in two minutes. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. back folks a lot more content on the program settle on back some great conversations ahead with Ramya and myself here and you as part of our day as we walk our way through now it's time to welcome in our registered nurse Leslie Depoe for these great conversations we have once a month with her registered nurse and there's nothing I love more than helping folks learn about their own health so they can be a better advocate for themselves and those around them. Join me for your health check-in where we chat all things health and wellness and even a little bit of science from time to time. Be polite and say of course a happy new year. I brought in the fact that we talked to Leslie once a month but let's mix them together here folks. New year, new you. We hear it all the time Leslie uh, but how do we actually make that stick or do we? We're talking New Year's resolutions this week on our monthly check-in with uh, registered nurse Leslie Depoe. Welcome back. Thank you so much. And yes, Happy New Year. Um, I feel like we're already 
kicking off. We're right into 2024 already. But yes, you're absolutely right. New year, new you. Uh, I'm going to be vibing. I'm thriving. I'm living my best life. I'm going to be my best, my best self. Everyone has a t-shirt that says it. We bought a mug that says it. Uh, we've heard it. We've said it. We've probably posted on social media. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, there's, nothing, you know, there's nothing like the optimism of January. You know, I actually read something the other day and I thought, man, this, this is actually quite accurate. Nobody should be making any resolutions in January. January is a long Sunday afternoon. You should be making <laughs> puzzles and coffee you make resolutions in april and september that's a much better time oh, of year but i am hanging on to that analogy from now on long sunday afternoon listen. i love right? that it is so much that better listen. than january blahs also uh, leslie we don't give you enough credit for this but you uh, keep us posted about like the you know the lines and lingo around things that are going on social media in so <laughs> many conversations you're like we're approaching summer and you know now we're in this phase and this phrase is popping so Leslie yeah. keeps I track mean, all that stuff she can't stand uh, that's being said out there is hilarious. what it is I mean I'm doing my best you know yeah, I'm representing yeah. the group what can I do I got to bring it back to the fam the real well, question the is thing. you know are we making these resolutions and if we do how on earth are we keeping them so maybe maybe this is like maybe that let's just start here did you did you guys make resolutions nah. this year if you did what you do tell me tell me Listen, no, I, I stopped do. doing that when I was eight years old and people would call me out. I thought you said you were trying to never mind. Yeah. I learned back the then. The accountability part was it. getting real rough. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I do reflect. I The way I come into the new year is by reflecting on the old year. So yeah. it's more okay. I do all it all the time. I do it all the time. It, it, to me, it's one of those things that I don't need January 1 or December 31st. Mm. I, I think you have to always, at, at different points, you gotta do it different for fun, things. Though. And you just got to, Why? Because the calendar is there, right? Like, might as well. Yeah, but you just you, said you, know you don't do it. <laughs> what you know are you what, though, torturing I, us I, for? I really could not agree with either one of you more on that one. I mean, we're going to talk about them because people are doing them. Um, but I, I really agree with that a lot. I think that at the end of the day, you know, tying yourself to a date on a calendar, it's so arbitrary. Even our calendar is arbitrary, let's be it honest. Is, we're, it we're, is. You know? It's to be when you're willing, when you're willing to yeah. at least try. Yeah, that's exactly it. And a lot of the times, too, I think when people decide today is the day, or more importantly, I think this is a big one, tomorrow is the day, then today becomes the day you do the bad thing as much as you can oh, because yeah. tomorrow <laughs> you're <laughs> never going to do it again. Um, and I, I think that's kind of a little bit of a kiss of death. But anyway, let's kind of talk a couple big picture things. I mean, one of the things I thought was super interesting as I was just doing a little reading on this topic before we chatted was it's actually quite cultural. It's a very North American thing to make New Year's resolutions. A lot of other people in lots of other countries don't do this, or certainly they don't do it the way we do. We don't they don't necessarily tie it to January 1st, um, and certainly percentage-wise, you don't see nearly the same number of people making resolutions, whereas in certainly North American media, this is like this you know, this garbles up television for the last week of December, and then the first two weeks of January, this is all we're talking about. So I think that part's kind of interesting. You know, we we swim in our own little pond, and, and it feels as though this is the only way there is to do things. It's really not. There's a lot of other ways to take a look at these approaches. But mm. when we're talking about resolutions, the big ones people do discuss, and these are kind of the top ones that we're heading into 2024, probably not surprising. Anybody want to take a guess? Let's, I'll give you, there's, there's, I got a top five. Lose weight, eat better, drink less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, very like good. The only ones we've really uh, missed are finances. People apparently want oh, to improve right. their finances. Oh, we're not going to okay, talk sure. about that, Rummy and I. No. <laughs> well, and the joke of that always is, right, is you make that decision right after the holidays. Once you get the yes. first credit card bill, yep. you think, oh, God, I was generous. Um, and that's, that's a guilt. great thing. 
Not me. Yeah, exactly. Putting my hand up to say I was not generous oh, during the holidays oh this year. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I mean, so there that, that's it. So so those are the things that people are talking about. Now, I really like both of your approaches. So let's let's just stick with that as we talk about the topic, really. Because the truth about resolutions is they are, I think Kelly, you said this like it's it's just a habit. That's all a resolution is, is you're trying to change a behavior, which inevitably means you are trying to create a new habit. So when you talk about creating new habits, what are the things that you do in order to do that? And I am, I am very much, I am advocating for the long after Sunday afternoon that is January. Okay. I don't necessarily think we need to be doing any of this just because the calendar says so at this time. But if you are somebody who reflects, which is always a really healthy thing to do, especially for your mental health is Mm. to take a look back and talk about what you want to do forward, what worked for you, what didn't work for you. Then what do we talk about in order to have a goal that we think is going to go well? So um, oddly enough, it's, it's something we learned in nursing school. Um, is a SMART goal, and we use that as an Mm -hmm. acronym. So specific, measurable, attainable, uh, R, and I'll remember that one. And then uh, T is timely, relevant is the R. I always forget the R, which probably says something about me. Um, So specific. (laughs) Um, If you're going to change a habit, you need to know what it is you want to change. So you got to really dial it in. So when people say, for example, I want to have better finances. What does that actually mean? Do you want to, and even I want less debt, to be honest, isn't really specific enough, right? So I think that's a huge piece of it. And I don't know if you've encountered the same thing. I mean, you both immediately called out, you know, what do you think your number one New Year's resolution is? Oh, people are probably saying they want to lose weight. That's a great point. And I think, and then that's, you know, it's funny. That's another one that almost the flip side of it bites you because then some, you know, sometimes we get too specific. I want to lose exactly 10 pounds. Well, a lot of the times it's not, you know, it's not the number. It's actually, you were talking about, I want to feel better in my clothes or I want to bend down and not get out of breath, or I want to run after my kid and feel like I can. And I don't know if you guys have kind of encountered those, those same things when you're, you know, kind of the specificity of trying to make those kinds of goals. Yes, for sure. For sure. It, you you yeah. really, really want to focus on the habit. And I love the obtainable part of that, right? The smart, because it is what are you likely to do or able to do when it comes to whether it's saving money, losing weight, whatever it might be. A hundred percent. And I mean, yeah, you're right. And the, and the measurable, I'm just going in order because I won't forget. Otherwise, we'll no, be off agreed. on a tangent and Lord help me. Um, <laughs> so the measurable is how are we going to know if we did it? So, right. you know, to say I, I want to be in better shape is one thing to say I want to be have better finance finances is one thing. But then how do you know if you achieved the goal if it's not specific enough? So if we can say something like I want my credit card bill to be zero by what date? Like we have to we, we have to really kind of, um, you know, boil it down and really get to the nitty gritty of it. And then let's, let's get into the A, let's get into the, to the attainable part of that acronym. And you're absolutely right. Let's be realistic about this, because if you're, if your goal is to somehow pay off $10,000 in six days with money you never had before, maybe that's, that's actually not super attainable. When we talk about kind of the mental health implications of New Year's resolutions, this is what we look at. We set ourselves up to fail and then we hold ourselves to a standard we couldn't possibly have obtained and then we beat ourselves up for it when it doesn't go right. And then what's the obvious rebound effect of that is you just say, well, I tried, I couldn't do it all the way, so forget it, I'm gonna do it none of the way. In which case, take the credit card back out, drive through to the McDonald's, go nuts. Like, you know, it's, it's a natural human inclination. I think that we end up doing things like that, that we swing in one extreme or the other. So I think keeping things, things attainable is probably a really great point. I don't know if you guys have, have run into experiences with that as, as well, where you've kind of tried to set yourself up for something. And I, I say this cause I am the, uh, 
feel like I should be the poster child for all or nothing thinking when it comes to things like that. Uh. And I, I am very much a person who, if I, I've made some kind of, it's so rigid and it's so unattainable that the second I go outside of it, then I'm throwing the entire You're thing done. out the window. And mm. I, yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then the cleanup after that emotionally yes. is exhausting. Yes, it is. Yeah. And that's yeah. one yeah. of the reasons why you don't want to keep putting yourself through this for New Year's that's resolutions, right? Because right? you, you hype yourself up, you hype each other up because everyone's doing it. And then when you fail, you feel miserable, not to mention failing this time of year is and not you've great. you've told everyone, yeah, right? Yeah, and it's just and, not and, great because it's cold cold and ugly outside and you're you know it, it's just like there's not much to look forward to maybe this time of year like it, there's just a lot of reasons why leslie how long does it take to form a new habit so the happy, the happy, perfect number is 66 days. That's, uh, I mean, some people say 21. That some people Duolingo. say 66. Yeah. Oh, hey, Thanks. congratulations. Thank and you. that's huge. <laughs> um, so, I mean, and that's really what we're looking at, right, is if we really want to form, an, uh, if we really want a resolution or we want a modified habit, then we have to make it a ritual. That's really the way I look at it. So the mm. another way we, so I'm going to sink my teeth into that, uh, that lazy Sunday afternoon of January analogy, which is sink your teeth into something you want to do do. Have it be a passion. Have it be something that you wrap yourself up in like a blanket on that lazy Sunday morning, as opposed to this hard, stiff piece of cardboard that you didn't want to do in the first place, but now everybody knows about it and you can't get out of it. So, you know, the idea of like Duolingo is such a great, is such a great example, you know, and good on you for doing that. But that's something that clearly fed your soul in some way. So what if we tried to approach these things instead of from this rigid complex of, well, the internet told me I had to, and everybody posted right. it on their story today. What if you approached it from an aspect of what do I actually want for myself? What would make me feel better? What feeds my soul? And how can I go about make, putting that into practice for myself? And the truth is repetition is key. But in order to repeat it, it has to be realistic, attainable, measurable, timely. And we take a look at all of those pieces when we try and set ourselves up for success. It's an interesting one because as you talk about obtainable, I think that's the thing that we're, again, wonderful. You look at yourself and say what you think you can do, what you want to do. If there's something in there that, oh, I don't know if I could do that every day or I don't know if that door will be unlocked that early in the morning, which works better for me to get into that exercise room. Uh, maybe I won't bother or until I can figure that out. And I think that that's where the reflection, the look back and looking at what you can do, what you are okay with and say, well, okay, maybe I can't go down there. But what can I do upstairs or in my house or in my backyard? A hundred percent. And, you know, another good analogy for that, too, is just dip your toe in the water or lean yes. in. I love the leaning in idea. Yeah, I just too. love the idea of like, just try it. And it doesn't have to be black or white. Just lean yourself into that instead and see how it feels. And if it feels good, then you know you're in the right direction. And if it feels, yeah, of course, there are always some new habits that maybe take a little bit of time to get into. And just because it doesn't feel perfect the first day doesn't mean that it won't another time. But exercise is a great example of that. Sore muscles are one thing, but did you actually feel good? Did your soul feel good when you left there or when you were done with whatever it was you were doing? That's That, to me, that should be the litmus test. That's the thing you're judging yourself against not what the internet told you you should do not what everybody posted on their uh their 2024 new new me new year um because i i just i just feel like we hold ourselves to this really uh these rigid guidelines sometimes and there is a way to make those smart goals uh work for you and to lean in in a way that feels right fantastic leslie awesome stuff thank, thank you, you very much we'll uh, love our long sunday january yeah sounds, sounds great nice? guys such a nice way to look at it <laughs> Oh, I love oh, it. Thanks we'll again. I'll see you in this.
Yeah, for sure. See next you next month. week or next month. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long January Sunday. Uh, registered nurse Leslie Depot joins us on the second Wednesday of the month. We do a health check-in with her. Always fantastic advice. Check back with her next month here on the program. We step aside for a couple of moments and Kevin Shaw is going to stop by to talk about the art. And it really is an art form. The business lunch, folks. Why are they important? And what etiquette should we be following? He's here after this. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, folks, catch the pulse. This weekend on AMI-audio, Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. This week, Joyda speaks to Jacqueline Elms, author of The Food Cure. That's the story of extreme wellness turned sour, uh, an unforgettable deep dive into the world of fooditarianism. That's The Pulse this Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, 11 a.m. Pacific time. This is and that's a... over on AMI-audio. Sorry, Ron. I was just going to say, it's such an there. interesting story. Ooh, for sure. Yeah. Really looking forward to that with Joita. Uh, anyways. Uh, it's interesting food talks in general, as yes. we know in yeah, the different ways we're looking and having to open our minds to, uh, you know, situations when it comes to it that we may say, well, I never encountered that in my life, but others are. Mm -hmm. Really interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, on the second Wednesday of the month, we talk all things business and entrepreneurship, getting a lot into the business etiquette side of things with Kevin Shaw. Do you have questions about how to turn your business dreams into reality? Join me, Kevin Shaw, a recovering entrepreneur, for answers to your questions and much more, right here on Kelly and Ramya. Kev, nice to have you back and nice to be continuing on this theme with all kinds of business etiquette conversations. Did you have a good holiday? Did you have a, a good time after giving us all that advice about business, um, <laughs> holiday, holiday dinners, parties, parties, holiday parties, all these other things? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Happy New Year, guys. It's it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, I had a good holiday. Very nice. How many holiday parties did well. you get to? Yeah. I saw the live special. It was great. Oh, th thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How many holiday parties did you get to? Uh, well, I, I just had the, uh, just had the one here with family, but, uh, oh, okay. you know, I, I didn't happen to, uh, to venture out to anything too wild. So, so that was good. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well, either way, it was a good refresher on how to present ourselves. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Today we're talking about the business lunch there. Yes. I know we're going to get off script and have a lot of extra questions for you, but what is the purpose of a business lunch? So it's not to chow down. I, I, that's <laughs> I was usually the purpose of that. like a normal oh. lunch when you're just by yourself. Yeah. The purpose of a business lunch is to add some kind of a, a social situation and, and to build some rapport, maybe with some people on your team. Maybe it's with a client. Maybe it's with a, a, a potential customer. Maybe it's with uh, somebody who's going to hire you. Um, lunches are just great ways of breaking the ice and getting people into a situation where they can build that rapport and um, develop a business relationship that is ultimately going to benefit both parties. Mm. I find it fun because you figure out what 
what it's going to be like. What's the purpose? And especially if you're taking a client or if it's just to kind of have that team meeting uh, event, what would you say when it comes to you're taking your, your team out, your department out? And what are some of the things that we should think about in the way of whether it's proximity or, or location? What's what's not a location that's going to make them say, hey, yeah. Evan's the last of the big spenders here. He took us right in here to place X. Sure. Uh, well, I mean, there's two there's two different aspects of this, right? So there's one aspect of taking, let's say, your entire team out and where you're going out with multiple people and then just doing like a one-on-one -on -one thing. So mm -hmm. if if the goal here is, let's say, it's team building and, and you want the team to go out and have fun at a lunch, maybe you're going to take them somewhere, you know, a little fun where they can let down their hair. But if it's, if it's a more one-on-one -on -one kind of a situation, you want to pick a, a venue where you can talk, have a conversation. Um, obviously, you don't want to take them to a place like, uh, you know, a McDonald's with like 50 screaming kids in the, uh, you know, in the ball pit. Um, you want to take the, you want to take your, your lunch companion out to somewhere where you guys can have a, a proper business conversation. That's usually a sit down restaurant in the summertime. It's nice to go to a, a patio. Um, but again, if you're, if you're taking your team out, you've got a different set of factors to consider. Obviously you want something that's close to the office and, and something where the food isn't going to be uh, too expensive or is going to take too long to prepare. So you don't want to go to a Mickey D's or a Starbucks? I feel like those two are very different options, though, Kev. Are they, though? I mean, <laughs> yeah, they I've, never, are. <laughs> I've never been inside of a quiet Starbucks. I've okay, never that's been fair. inside that's of a fair. quiet McDonald's. So. Yeah. But, but do you, you worry know, you... about a message that you send to whether it's the one-on-one -on -one or people taking them there? You know, a lot of, like, okay, let's outside the kids. Let's say you go to one without a Playland, a McDonald's. <laughs> Or something like that. Let's just say that's what you're going to do. I didn't even think of one with the you know? Playland. Oh, my god. Well, gosh. no, but Kev did. Kev wants to go <laughs> climb in that hamburger thing. I say, what the heck? Uh, it, it is, do you send, is there still concept? Because I think years ago you would have got a concept of, like I was teasing about the last of the big spenders here. But we know McDonald's isn't cheap. But is there any message that you're trying to avoid also not going there? Do we still, or, or other places, maybe not McDonald's. Is there something there, Kev? I think it really depends of. on I think it really depends on the rapport that you've established. Maybe you're in a in a very, very yeah. casual kind of job environment where you and your lounge companion are like, you know what, let's slum it. Let's go to, you know, let's go to KFC for lunch or let's go to AW. I love AW. Um <laughs> you know, maybe and maybe that's cool. Or maybe if you're meeting somebody for the first time, that's not really the place to go. Maybe you want to go somewhere a little more upscale, like a Panera, that's still quick. You can get a sandwich, you can get a cup Damn of tea, it. you know, and, and you can have a nice conversation in a, in, a, in a place that's carpeted and the sound isn't bouncing around everywhere. You don't have to shout across the table to your companion just to be heard. So yeah, those are those are yeah. the things yeah. I can consider. Well, what if it well, used to be a Panera and now they've made it into a Chick-fil-A? Is it okay to take them there? Just kidding. Okay. So... Well, isn't that much the same? So, like, hold on a second here because Kevin... Now, when dealing with Ramya and I, we understand that there's going to be those business things you have to do, the primetime special, you know, hey, guys, not bad, and everything like that. Bring some of the folks on from Mind Your Own Business to, to kind of promote right. our show. And So say you decide, guys, let's go out for a business lunch, and Ramya mm -hmm. and I, kind of, you, you make the mistake. I, I mean, you become generous and say, guys, <laughs> order what you want. Let's talk about the menu etiquette, the ordering etiquette. 
So the ordering etiquette is, you know, it's it's this fine balance. So you you obviously want to eat something that you're going to like, but you also don't want to order the biggest thing on the menu, not just for you know etiquette reasons and manners and so forth, but you want time to finish your food. You want time to have a decent lunch, something that's quick, but something that's also going to allow you to have some conversation and get into the business discussion and the, the whole business purpose of why you're there in the first place. Yeah. Um, right. You obviously don't want to take someone to lunch and just be, you know, chowing down and not saying anything and, and walking away at the end of it. Um, wow. So yeah, no, you're right. You know, you're I, right. Yeah. I say, you know, <laughs> go with the lunch specials, Go with the things that are on the lunch menu, things that are quick, things that are going to arrive at your table pretty quickly. And, um, you know, if that's if that's an issue, call ahead if you've got some dietary restrictions or you've got some allergies. Like if chili was the special of no, the no, day? No? no? Okay. All right. No. There's got to be another cheap meal. <laughs> I mean, economized meal. With got, as long as they send the rice pudding along with it. <laughs> okay. And wash I'm learning so chili. many things about you, Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, chilly. But no, it's anyway. true. Like, you don't want to make a mess of yourself. Um, what, yeah. What? Don't get that messy order. burrito if you're, in your, no. if you're in your business suit. Don't get the, uh, you know, the the, the, the crown rack the of lamb if, yeah. you're, uh, if you're pressed for time. These can so. be, like, you know, stories for later, but in the moment it could be horror stories, right? Like, I have a friend who recently went on a business lunch, and the person took them to eat, like, Dali, which is a traditional Indian group of mm. foods made into a oh, meal, yes. but yeah. it's messy, like yeah, super oh, messy. Sure. And also yeah. it, to consider, you know, taking someone to obviously a very experiential uh, meal, but if you've never had that experience, you might be so nervous, especially as a blind, low vision person, like what you am bet. I supposed yeah. to do here? Yeah. Oof. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's always... You know, do you take someone for sushi who's never been for sushi before oh, for, my for gosh. lunch for the first time? Yeah, probably Yeah. Not. Is it appropriate to ask um, the person, like if we're the one taking somebody else on lunch, is it appropriate to ask what kinds of things they would prefer or does that make things too complicated? I think it's good to ask and say, look, I'd, I'd like to take you to lunch. You know, I'm thinking of this place. Would that be okay for you? Yeah. Um, and... You know, I think the the best thing to do is is err on the side of caution and and go with a place where you're going to have kind of multiple choices. Maybe you want some kind of Pan Asian cuisine um, because you want a little bit of uh, you know a little bit of everything. Maybe a you know maybe something like a spring rolls, which is a mm. you know a chain that we have here in Ontario. Um, you know, that's kind of appropriate because you can get a little bit of everything. Um, you know, if you'd rather have something that you can eat with a with a with a fork as opposed to your hands, there's that option there. But mm -hmm. you obviously don't want to go to somewhere that's, like, as you said, super experiential where you're, <laughs> you know, getting uh, sauce all over your shirt and... You don't you know, even know what you're doing. What huge sauce mustache what? on your face after... What's after on your just... fingers and somebody comes along yeah. and you're, hey, there, hi there. Oh, my <laughs> God, tandoori chicken stain. Um, it, it's tough. It's got to be really rough because now in these day and age, there's so many of us that just aren't sure and there's so many options out there. Um, and as, as low vision blind people, uh, you know, yeah. you really don't know sometimes what to say do and what all comes with this kind of place. You got a place where do I have to use the chopstick? Um, it, there are a lot of things to consider, Kev, and stress. 
There are, um, but I think with some good planning, you can uh, definitely, you know, one of the things that that I like to do and, and other folks in the community that I know that what they like to do is just research the menu beforehand. Yes. And say, you know, okay, I've, I've been invited to this lunch thing. It's on Friday. Uh, I'm going to look up the restaurant ahead of time. They, you know, they told me I'm going to, you know, Red Lobster, you know, wherever it is. Joe's Chicken Shack, and I'm going to look up. Uh, I'm going to look up to see what their lunch specials are. And so when you walk in, you're already prepared, and you know what's involved in ordering and what the sides are, and and what to expect. Okay, let's talk about when we actually talk business at this lunch. Yeah. So so there's an order of conversation. Obviously, as soon as you meet your companion for lunch, maybe you meet and head there together. Maybe you meet at the restaurant. Um, you don't want to just dive in and start talking business right away. Take some time, get to know your companion, ask about some hobbies that they they might have. Dig into their, um, you know, their their things that interest them. Talk about things that interest you. Know something a little bit about sports. Know something a little bit about the news. Maybe what's going on. I'd stay away from things like politics, religion, nope. anything that's too uh, you know too sensitive. But, um, you know, definitely build that rapport first. Order. And once you've ordered, then you can start to talk uh, business. Again, ease into the conversation and let things flow naturally before you, uh, you know, alienate somebody who could be a, a potential client or, you know, in, in the case of entrepreneurship, maybe a potential funder. Um, you know, these are the things that you need to consider. And if you've got an hour, just kind of, Think ahead as to like, you know, in the first 20 minutes, I just want to get to know this person, know what makes them tick, know what makes them, uh, um, you know, interested and, and interesting as a person, and then gradually move into the business conversation. And obviously, when things are, are ready to, to be wrapped up, wrap it up, say, look, I'm going to follow up with you in the next uh, couple of days, I'll send you an email, mm -hmm. and uh, pay the bill and, and walk away from your business lunch. Okay. What about while you're at that table, the table manners, the things that you want to remind us to be conscious of? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, obviously, put the tech away. Uh, it's nice to be connected and, and you know, really important. And I know a lot of people will just put their phone on the table and, you know, just get that buzz uh, from the buzz of uh, notifications and emails and messages and so forth. And unless you're in some kind of a really critical, mission-critical role, you know, you're responsible for keeping your company's uh, website up 24-7, it's not really important to, to have your tech out at the table. Uh, obviously, the, the, the obvious table manners. You know, one of the things that you can do if, if you're a little bit nervous about this, there are places that you can go where they will take you on a business lunch, and they will, they will teach you what utensils to use, how to hold your fork, how to hold your knife, where to put your napkin. And what they'll do is uh, they'll go through the entire business lunch with you and then they'll, they'll sort of grade you at the end and, and say, here's some things you might want to consider oh. if you're doing this in, you know, with, uh, you know, with, with real clients or, um, you know, with a real lunch companion. Um, and so there are services like this out there. Um, you know, obviously don't, don't just chow down. Don't, uh, you know, don't just shovel food into your face, take a bite, put your fork down, chew with your mouth closed. Um, you know, it sounds really obvious, but you know, important things to say, 
and um, you know, really take part of the, in that conversation and be interested in the person you're dining with. Yeah, of course, of course. This is just like basic, you know, socializing mm -hmm. to begin with. But I do appreciate that we go through these things, Kevin, because we could get nervous. If this has never happened to you before, if you've never been yeah. taken out on a business lunch, or if you're in the position where you got to take somebody out, it's like, uh-oh, it, it starts to feel like all the stuff you know is thrown out the window because you're terrified and... Right. You know, it's it's awkward, um, or could be. We don't want it to be. That's why we're having this conversation. Uh, one final thing, paying the bill. Any tips around this? Yeah, obviously, if you're the one inviting, you want to offer to, to treat your companion, um, unless you've made some other arrangements. Um, but usually, if you're the one inviting, you're the one to pay. Um, if you're invited to the launch, offer to pay. And don't make a big uh, scene out of it. If there's, no, 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 I insist. And, you know, <laughs> don't, uh, you know, just like say a very simple thank you. And, and make sure you oh, follow God. up with a thank you, right? Like we say thank you in the moment, but it's it's always good. Um, I think it's, it's great for business relationships if you follow up afterwards and say, look, um, I had a uh, great time discussing, you know, the new project with you at lunch. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And I hope we can do it again sometime. Just to how many scenarios I've been in where we're fighting for the bill at the end. <laughs> and now you're like, don't wow. do it. <laughs> yeah, I don't do that at all, Kev. I'm very, well, I'm very, I'm very humble. Oh, no, I don't thanks. mind people taking me out. Yeah. And, Go ahead, yeah. you guys fight over it. <laughs> right. Also, no, like, takeout well, containers and all these other things, right? Like, can I get an extra meal yeah. to go? Yeah, don't, don't, uh, you know, don't, don't say, hey, I, I want to get another, uh, you know, plate of uh, chicken wings to take back to the office <laughs> with me or... You My know, pockets are um, empty and ready for these wings. Yeah. Right. Gross. Um, um, <laughs> don't do that. Lint, lint, but lint I, hot I have wings. A saying, <laughs> yeah, I have a saying, which is a an amateur practices until they get it right. A professional practices practices until they can't get it wrong. And the only way you get good at this is is if you if you keep practicing and and have these types of lunches where um, it is a business transaction and. Uh, you and your companion can get something out of it at the end. Yeah. Love awesome. It. Great. Yep. Great points. I think you've covered pretty much everything, at least the Kelly and I questions of it all. Like, what happens if we go to McDonald's? So yeah, thank well, you. He's 100% discouraged I'll be now, inviting you guys us... out to a, a business lunch at A&W. A&W? So. I'm down. I was down. just going to say, man, I thought he I'm might down. have been too discouraged to take us there for the Big <laughs> yeah, Mama no, it's Burger. Okay. He's taught us. Now we know how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, we'll talk to you next month. Have a good one. Cheers. Kevin Shaw joining us for Business Chats, and that's on the second Wednesday usually of every month, and we've been carrying on these business etiquette conversations with him. Teacher out with a student. Can you imagine? I could totally hear Kevin now. Put that technology yeah. away. Come on, 20 minutes. Get to know each other. Okay. Coming up next, ladies and gentlemen, we wrap up the show. We'll see what's going on on uh, the next edition of Now with Dave Brown. And I want to talk to you about honey, but not the kind made by bees. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. So much always to go over as we wrap up the program for you folks, so please bear with us. Remember to check out the podcast, subscribe using your favorite podcast platform. Always love to have you check out the full show with the audio vanity card today provided by Jeff Ryman. 
or the show in segment form, whatever works for you. And while you're in there, if you don't mind, give us a rating and review. The gang over at Now with Dave Brown, their program on AMI-tv beginning at 9 a.m. in the morning. My colleague here, Ramya Muthan, tells you now what's coming up on that show now. Yep, on tomorrow's show, which is the Thursday morning edition, Marco Flalo from Access Tech Live is going to talk about some of the new devices being unveiled at the Consumer Electronics Show, including a ring that's actually a type of health tracker. I'm very curious because I've run into uh, products like this in the past, but not well-reviewed. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, it's January. We're all dealing with all the credit card debts from Christmas. Wah, wah. And Aaron Broverman will discuss ways to help reduce our post-holiday debt. Also, entertainment critic Michael McNeely is reviewing the movie American Fiction. 9 a.m. in the morning. Check out Now with Dave Brown. So do you think a ring would be more intuitive than an Apple Watch around your wrist? Uh, potentially. There are rings out there right now. I can't recall the brands, but that are specifically for, um, like, body temperature tracking, mm -hmm. right? So uh, especially for women who are using it to... Um, as a fertility awareness method. Right. So that right. kind of stuff is already out there. But the, the reviews are scattered all over the place. And obviously, oh, yeah. it's not a norm to use the rings over things like watches, right, for wearables. But who knows? Yeah. It's interesting to see and to see how we go and what becomes more. Folks, let's jump into uh, honey without bees, folks. Mealy Bio, a California-based startup, is developing honey without bees. It's rolling out its first products in the UK, Switzerland, Austria, and in the US, where Mel Bio has brought, launched its own brand, Melody, for food service and direct-to-consumer channels. The product is described as plant-based honey and has a slightly different formulation. The uh, plant-based formulation, which contains 80% fructose and glucose and 18% water, gets it's a distinct flavor and properties from a bunch of different plant extracts comprising the remaining 2%. In the U.S., it uses red clover, jasmine, passionflower, chamomile, and sea berry coupled oh. with glucomic acid and a bunch of other natural flavors. Now, the first argument is simple economics because the demand for honey is, is rising, of course, but bee populations are declining, cre creating a uh, opportunity for vegan alternatives. Essentially, honey will become more premium. There'll always be demand for it made by bees, but the prediction, Ramya, is 10 years from now, it could be an expensive gift, especially for certain occasions. People might even pay as much as $100 for a jar. Thoughts? Would you and try years this? from now. I mean, already honey can be a very expensive gift depending on what your where your honey is from and how local or how well it's uh, being marketed, you know. Um, but I just want to know if the properties of this honey include the benefits of the properties of real honey. Like, obviously, there's the mm -hmm. flavoring and will it taste the same, yada, yada. But uh, the antioxidants and all these other rich qualities of honey, right, for benefits for our body, do we get that in this plant base? Yeah, mm. I have to believe they've researched, they've created a based on some of that, but I I think you're always going to feel the original article is going to have the most like, kick, Whoa. right? Yeah. Yeah, me too. That's what I heard. All this, well, geez, well, anything else we got a bunch of sugar for? 
Very interesting thing. There's a nice article out there, folks, if you want to check it out, uh, go ahead and, and, and do that. Uh, coming up on our program tomorrow, uh, we're going to have Mike Fair on the program, and we're starting out with Mike. Uh, one of the most hyped accessibility-related editions of iOS 17 was called Personal Voice. Mike will explain it. We're continuing habit conversations. How are they formed? How do you get rid of bad habits and keep with the new ones? Fern Lullum's going to tell us more tomorrow. Bad habits. I, I don't know if I can relate yeah, to that. Okay. <laughs> we'll talk to you tomorrow. Fedora's off to you. Good night, folks. <laughs>Hey guys, it's Jeff here, and I want you guys to be the judges if this is a little bit strange or not. So the other week, I managed to get myself a new phone. I upgraded from a Google Pixel 2 all the way to a Google Pixel 8, which I love. But with all of that, you have to essentially re-download everything onto your phone. Um... I was lucky because Google has this great feature that essentially can copy over all of your apps, all of your pictures, all of your information essentially onto your new phone. But you still have to log in and there are some things that you do still have to download. One of those being Spotify. Um, I have a Spotify account and I have a very large playlist, or what I think is a large playlist. Um, it's around 71 hours worth of total music on my Spotify accounts. Um, and typically, I like to have that downloaded. There's an option on there to have everything downloaded so you don't have to stream it, use data. Um, or, you know, for me, if I go to a cottage or camping, I don't have to worry about having reception issues. Anyways, um, while doing this, I was going through my playlist and for some reason, the last, I'm going to say six to 12 months, I've gone on a really big kick of listening to live performances from the bands and artists that I love. A lot of people sort of raise their eyebrows thinking, why? Like, why would you have, you know, three different versions of the same song? Um, and for me, I just like the variance. I love the aspect of a live performance. We touched on it about a month or two ago when Kiss announced they were doing that, um, you know, animation um, avatar concert series potentially in the near future. And I thought that was okay, but, you know, it's, it's going to be the same thing over and over and over again, I think. And for me, a live performance has... Um, abnormalities, um, longer solos on the guitar riffs, potentially, um, you know, just little variants that you don't typically get on the recorded studio album. So yeah, am I weird for doing that? I mean, I'll have one song, but three, maybe four different versions of it, because there might be three or four different live versions of it. But to me, I like it. I like having that, 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 that difference. And I don't know. Am I weird or is that just kind of normal for some people? Let me know. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.